Ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, welcome back to the new scoreboard, Love God Like Sports, here with Brian Davidson again. Brian, how's it going? You know, it's pretty good, but I'm looking out my window and there are more and more leaves falling on my lawn, which only means more and more work for me, but it's a great fall day, a little cooler today, coffee tastes better when it's hot, days like this, but yeah, I'm doing well, thanks Nate. Awesome, that's great. Um, You know, last week we talked about um, getting in and getting a new perspective when it comes to sports. And Brian, before we get into our new topic, which is going to be presence, not presence like I'm going to give you some presence, but presence, the close proximity um, to being with our Lord and Savior, um, can you just recap what we've gone over so far in our 10 Ps in the new scoreboard? Just a recap. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. Well, we've been doing uh, purpose and then we did uh, passion, a couple of those in passion and perspective. Those were the, the three P's. This is the fourth one in presence. Um, you know, purpose is just really, you know, what matters most to God. It, it's a repurposing a family's participation mm-hmm. uh, in youth sports around the two greatest commandments. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And those really become, you know, our two passions. You know, how do we increase our passion for God and decrease our passion for sport? Simply because we recognize that in this culture today, sport has become the golden calf of our time. Yeah. And so we just have to be careful. Idolatry there, um, idolatry. Uh, both within sport itself, the heroes, and even how it vicariously plays itself out within our, our children. Mm. And then we, we talk about uh, passion in terms of loving our neighbor, who our neighbor is. Yes, it's that crazy, stinky referee or that <laughs> oh, opponent that's such a jerk or that teammate that's playing in front of us mm. or our kids. Um, and succeeding or the coach or the other obnoxious fans in the stands, um, whether they're part of our team or the other team. Yeah. Um, those are our neighbors. And, and really, um, our call, second greatest commandment, is to love our neighbor you know, as ourself. We can only do that out of an overflow for our love for God. So mm-hmm. the second greatest commandment is only possible with a first one. Yeah. But that's really, um, as we as parents, you know, we, we talk about and we get into perspective and everything with it is like only 1% or less are going to play uh, professional sports, less than 2%, depending on the sport, maybe as high as 5% will get a scholarship, you know, to college. But 100% of parents are called um, to train up their kids and way to go. And so really our whole new scoreboard is really about intentional spiritual formation with our kids and being on mission with God uh, in, in our community. Um, and and that's, that's the new scoreboard, the love God, love your neighbor, intentional spiritual formation as a family, being on mission with God in the community. That's what really matters most to God and what comes out of that. And, 
And they, you know, even, um, you know, as an adjunct professor at Liberty University teaching uh, intro to sport outreach, we talked um, about perspective in class uh, this week. And boy, you know, I know I talked about it on the podcast last week, but it is unbelievable how we, based upon the amount of time we spend in the environment passwords, actually absorb mm-hmm. the values of the world of sports into our life almost unknowingly they take over in our life and become a great clash wow. in the environment of competitive sports which it feeds into the presence but like like the thing is like people will ask me well why is it you know what what is how are these perspectives different well if you think about it the world of sports it's about making a name for oneself. Yeah. Our Christian worldview is about making a, a name for God. Yeah. Um, it's winning. Uh, the world of sports uh, perspective is all about winning. Yeah. And so if it's all about winning, then you're going to get cheating. Then you're going to get lying. You know, then you're going to get manipulation. <laughs> then you're going to get selfish ambition. And all of those things we actually take on and we really – from a Christian perspective, understanding our head, we're called wherever we do, wherever we go, even in the environment of competitive sports, to the glory of God. But we don't have a strategy towards that. We don't have an understanding and we don't have a practical application of, of bringing that about and being really focused on that about glorifying God that way, you know, um, beyond surfacey things of you know, the mere interview afterwards, oh, I give glory to God for what's taken place. And I don't want to, you know, totally demean that, but, you know, we need to be saying that when we lose, uh, yeah. when things don't go well <laughs> at other yeah. times as well. But we've got to really, really understand our Christian worldview and be sure that worldview, that perspective of glorifying God we understand and then really seek to apply there. And when we do that, we write that down as a family, we talk about that. It's easy for us to identify those things while watching sports or participating, what the values of the world of sports are and how we need to be sure to stand against those. Because some of them are actually completely the opposite of of our Christian, of Christ's virtues that we're to be taking on and, and uh, absorbing and being Christ-like in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I love, um, you know, what you're talking about there because this, this goes back to what you said in the first podcast, which is, uh, you know, so many people are under the illusion that sports builds character. And, and what you said, sports doesn't build character. It reveals character. Um, and so that's what we're seeing playing out. Um, and, you know, I was looking um, here at Luke 645, you know, where it says, um, a good man out of good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good and an evil man out of the evil treasures of heart bring forth that which is evil. And what we need to understand is outside of Christ, we are all evil. And so even our very best in sports, um, you know, our most uh, you know, our, our very best days where we, we have the integrity and the selflessness, even those things out of outside of Christ are evil and are coming forth in what we do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why, you know, we've talked about, like, it's about our devotion to God, which is an attitude. It's a passion for loving God, because there is nothing in us. Even our righteousness is like filthy rags. Yeah. And so what, what we want to do and be sure of is that <clears throat> devotion to God, our attitude, that's what we want to be. That's what we want to pass on to our kids, an attitude of, of a love for God, which drives our motivation to please him, even in the environment of competitive sports. Mm-hmm. But our devotion to God, a desire, we love him so much, it desires our motivation is driven to please him, which then when that's taking place, that establishes the foundation for our character and our conduct towards our neighbor. Mm. And and that's 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 the key. That that's why the motto is love God like sports. It's just a personal thing for me to be sure that loving God always is above uh sports. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and and even though I play to win intensely, fiercely, you know, with concentration, everything I can because it's a game and you, you want to win. That's still subservient. That's still yes. submissive to my my love for God. Uh, therefore, I as I play to win, I have to be pleasing God. That should be evidence in my character and conduct in my, to my neighbors. Yes. Yeah. So good. Um, so let's let's dive right in talking about this this concept of presence. And again, you know, we said earlier it's not presence. Oh, I'm giving you a gift. It's presence that that closeness, that relationship, that proximity um, to God, to Jesus Christ, um, which to me seems like the the glue of this whole thing. Yeah, and definitely, and they all kind of like interconnect these P's for sure. Um, but per perspective, in one sense, you know, it, it's it's your view, it's your eyes out. Presence is really like, it's it's really, it's a mirror of what's in your heart, mm-hmm. right? I, I, again, to what we just said, and that love for God that's the presence that wants to be stirring up. I mean, we say, um, you know, we want to be a sweet aroma, mm-hmm. not a stinky, smelly, sweaty odor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to be a sweet aroma of Christ, not a stinky, smelly, sweaty odor. Like one of those like shirts, my son wears in practice <laughs> and then doesn't wash for two weeks. You know. <laughs> Where the thing can walk across the house by itself. I mean, right. awful, awful, right? But that's who we are sometimes as Christians in sports, and that's when it's it is not it's not funny, and that's why when we say you know like why are there so many Christians who are Jekyll and Hyde? You know, so good in the office or at church or in Sunday school. And then so different in the environment of sports, no matter what role they play. And, you know, we're talking about parents and and just some of them in the stands. And I think I've mentioned before, but like I had a a gentleman, a mature Christian say, like, um, 
yeah, who I am in Sunday school is different. You know, my attitude and actions there are different than when I'm in the environment of sport. Why? Right. Why? Right. Where? Why is there that dichotomy? Why is that? I don't get that, you know? I mean, like, I do and I don't, but right. he was saying, like, that's okay. Yeah. And, and, and they're, they, it's okay to be different, and they're not. Like, A.W., let, let, I can't even do justice to this topic from a biblical overview. There is no way. Um, but I, I need to at least do a little bit of a biblical overview. And let me start off with an A.W. Tozer quote. Mm-hmm. Um, the presence of God is the central fact of Christianity. At the heart of the message is God himself waiting for his redeemed children to push into conscious awareness of his presence. Mm. The presence of God is the central fact of Christianity at the heart of the message of God um, himself waiting for his redeemed children to push into consciousness awareness of his presence. It's like a breathing in or breathing out of God's presence in our life. Um, You know, Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ Mm. lives in me. So we die to the old self. That's Romans 6, 5 through 11. Take the time. Read through those scriptures. We die to that old self. Then we become one in Christ. We grow in Christ likeness. Look in Romans 8 there. Uh, We want to grow in that Christ like this. We have the power. Oh, man, I just think this, we've we've got to understand this and not give up and be so hopeless at times. But we have the power of that which Christ had in him for overcoming the resurrection. Um, And and that's so good. Let me me just take a... um, a second to find that that scripture that that's in Ephesians one, and maybe give a time for people to to pause here or, or even look at it themselves. But just look up Ephesians one, eighteen through twenty. Um, do you have it there, Nate? Um, let's see how fast I, I can I've get got, it. I've got it, but my eyes are going a little bit, and I got the <laughs> smaller Bible here. Right. Here, let's see. I've got it. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened wow mm. in order that you may know the hope that which he has called you the riches of his glory glorious inheritance in his holy people in his uh, incomparable great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the power, uh, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, mm. far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And so, man, we could just talk on that all day. Yeah. But there is a biblical truth we need to own yeah the power i mean okay the power that enabled christ to conquer death 
is the same power, that power in the resurrection that we have? Wow. Okay. Okay. No excuses. And 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 Second Peter one three kind of says the same thing. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Mm. Right? Yeah. And 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 again, I really encourage people to look up th- that's that verse as well, Second Peter. One three, because it's so good for us in what we're talking about, because here's what the next verse says. Let, let me read it. Let me put it together for you again. Mm-hmm. His divine power has given us. This is verse three in chapter one of Second Peter. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us the very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the Mm. corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Exactly what you were talking about earlier, Nate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So good. And, and so, you know, it's, uh, Greg says this a lot, um, you know, from these go to 11 pastor of, uh, the church I'm at, you know, it, it's, it's almost like the Bible was inspired by God, you know, it's, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, is that too radical to say, you know, it's almost like God knew what he was doing when he put the Bible together. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So true, Nate. So true. <laughs> and and I, I think as you know, the, the point of going through some of these scriptures again is just to see that the power of God that we have in our own life that can breathe forth um Christ likeness. You know, an aroma that is sweet smell, that draws people to us, that then draws, that we can reflect him towards and and reflect them to him (laughs) because of what he's doing. We can speak in testimony that this change is about the inner transformation in our life of receiving Christ and receiving the Holy Spirit in our life. And, And of course... You know, we go into John 15 for our presence in abiding in him. Um, John 15 basically says, and again, this is where it all ties together. Love God, love our neighbor. But we can't do anything. We can bear no kingdom fruit apart from him. And he gives an analogy that I'm sure our listeners are familiar with. But the whole vine and the branches, the tree yeah. and the branches. You know, if you look out my yard right now, my backyard, there's branches that even fall down from some of the winds recently. They're dead. Yeah. They're dead. Yeah. They, they, they can't live. And so, but then there are, there are others that are still connected to that vine. And when they are, they grow buds. They grow leaves. They're alive. Yes. <laughs> you know, and... 
it's just so it's so good to know and it, it's the it's almost like the other visual of just uh anything you're gonna plug in it it doesn't have power until it's plugged in and then the light goes on yeah our lights go on when we're plugged in to the word of god to the supernatural um connection with the holy spirit in our lives trumping um our sinful nature um and and that's just again oh i can't even do justice to expounding on all of these truths and scripture but they form the base i would encourage our readers and listeners to go over some of the scriptures that we've talked about today um and really realize that our presence um, is just one in which is founded on so much truth that gives us hope that we can be who we need to be in him for our neighbors. Because I think we can look at the challenging circumstances, situations, issues, and people in the environment credit of sports and go, ah, hopeless. Right. Yeah. Hopeless. But as we understand our purpose, as we we see the passion, and we 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 get that the devotion, the attitude of loving God, that perspective to see things differently, to have a Christian worldview that's driving, then we see the presence that you know we can't by our striving have better character but by submitting to god mm. submitting to the spirit of god he's given us the supernatural power that exists within the scriptures that was it, that exists within the spirit of god in us in which we can come to him you know and be in his presence through prayer you know seeking him to do that glory of the impossible mm. in and through us um, that's what gets real exciting in in the environment of competitive sports. And and I think, you know, as we go practically, you know, we, we have to go then, well, what what is it? Like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Why if we we're so well, obviously we're not prepared. Yeah. We're walking in very much unprepared that's for sure um and i think we we've we've talked about before that environment competitive sports is mm, it's a vortex of dysfunction yes yeah it's that whirling mass of messy people right yeah yeah well and i think that's what makes um what you're doing here with the new scoreboard so important because you know, uh, what we see is in life, life is messy. People are messy. But what we also see is that this is a great opportunity for us as believers to be renewing our mind in this area of competitive sports so that we can engage the world in this way. You know, not like the monks of old where they just cut themselves off from the world, but, you know, embrace this culture, but do so in a godly Christ-centered way that brings honor and glory to God so that we can be an effective influence in preaching the gospel through this medium. Exactly, exactly. And I don't want, you know, I'm trying to strike the right balance of, 
being understanding with everybody over the, I think it's the most difficult area maybe on the face of the earth, you know, to, to live out some of this truth is in that really competitive environment, mm-hmm. especially as parents with their kids playing. Yeah. However, I don't want to, it's not a license to sin. It's not okay, you know, to act the way we've been acting that way. And so we want to, and we want to be sure that we're modeling what we need to be modeling for our kids and that we're really using this as a, as a laboratory, this environment of sports towards the marks of maturity in our own kids. So we want to be teaching them and, and the, the environment of sports becomes their training environment yes. for growing. And, and the first, like Francis Schaeffer said, as we get into this practical issue, the mark of the Christian is love. Yes. Yes. It's, it's love. That's the mark of the Christian. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we want to be convicted of by all our neighbors, the environment support, man, they're loving, yes. man, they've got, look at the love they show for each other. Yeah. Their neighbors. I mean, it's got to beg. How can you show that love when you've just been so wronged? Yes. In the environment of competitive sports. Yeah. Um, well, you know, let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, some people say, you know, when they mess up in the environment, competitive sports, well, well, that's not really, you know, who I was. I'm so sorry. I was having a bad day. No, 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 no. I said that before. <laughs> yeah. That's who you really are. That's who I really am. Yes. Apart from Christ in me, apart from the supernatural working of God in me. So that mark of the Christian is love. Yes. And, and the Holy Spirit, right, is love. Yes. And that what comes from our love is a joy of being out there in the environment. Better. Love, joy, peace. There's a peace that goes out there. That's why we've got to work against this anxiety and the sports stuff and the fear of failure and the approval addictions that everybody's going. So they fear rejection or the, the, the issues of blame and shame so much that are attached to their search for significant. No, we have a love. We have a joy. We, we, can, we can compete with pleasure and striving mm. against the other team to win. We can have a peace in doing that, that without the anxiety of a fear of failure or a fear of of rejection from somebody by by not performing well. Yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience with each other. And God and Christ in us can give us that the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness beyond anything we imagine that people don't even deserve. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, a gentleness and self-control. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. The fruit of the spirit in us. So naturally, it's difficult when our child gets kicked by an opponent or when a coach is not playing our son and we're losing and we think the kid that's playing in front of them isn't really better than our kid or when there's other fans that are just obnoxious and pride is you know, just flowing from them and they're so smug and everything. And we're feeling like, 
you know, beaten down and, and the, the feeling of losing and, and all of that. And it just, you kind of want to lash out yeah. at some of those others or, or just jealousy crops up or haughty eyes that, that Christ hates. Well, we understand it actually, but we have this power in us that is of love, mm. that has this other working out of it that even includes self-control. I just think that's that's a that's a powerful, powerful truth and, and mark that needs to mark us in yeah. the environment can, can sports. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think too, you know, one of the things that again we're we're talking about and that people need to realize is that this is a process. And so for for many people who are very passionate um in the wrong way when it, you know we talked about passion but many people have a a sinful passion or their passion has turned to sin when it comes to competitive sports. And so one thing to remember is Okay, so you lost your cool, you lost your temper. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I know you weren't trying to do this, Brian, and so I want people to understand one of the best things you can do, and I think one of the most shocking things you can do is to go to that person that you you wronged, whether it be a ref, whether whether it be a coach, whether it be another parent, uh, whatever it might be. And apologize, not making excuses for your actions, but genuine apology, taking ownership, you know, not, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I lost my head in, you know, the heat of the battle, whatever it might be. But, you know, what? oh, I am, I'm so sorry. I know that I have this problem when I am in this environment and I am just really working and trying to, to overcome this you know, through, through prayer, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and, you know, those Christians that are in that group, you know, Hey, talk to them. Hey, can you, can you keep me accountable to this? Can you challenge me on this so that I can, I can help to overcome this, uh, this problem that I have with my temper, with the lack of self-control, whatever it might be. Um, you know, so, so an apology can go a long way in, in understanding, wow, you know, this is who I am and what I did was wrong and going to, you know, that person in genuine repentance. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Asking forgiveness is definitely uh, an outcome, an outworking of love. You know, hey, I screwed up. I, I, referee, I, I'm sorry. I, you know what? My, my bad. You know, um, I, I'm sorry. I mean, can you imagine how many refs have heard that? Yeah. You know? Hey, I shouldn't have said that over there. You know, I yeah. really am sorry. And not just like when it happens most of the time is when the, the or team ends up winning after yeah. referees winning. You know, but what about after you've lost and you've yelled over you're going, oh, you know what? That's stupid, you know, or to another parent or, you know, your son, you know, modeling that for your son so that if he's messed up with an opponent, he can say, hey, sorry about that elbow or you know that was yeah. that, that was that was bad on me. Sorry. I mean, whoo! I mean, that's that's just something to shoot for. We we yeah. understand it's difficult, but again, the power that overcame the resurrection is the power that we have in us that makes that possible. Yes. So I mean, I think that's that's what we see. It's it's that the practical mark of the Christian in the environment of sports is love, and I think you know like. 
I don't know how many people have read this in the evangelical community, but there's a book, The, the Practice of the Presence of God, and it's all about a monk, Brother Lawrence. Mm. And it's it's some book that maybe uh, we as evangelicals should, should look into a little bit more, but, um, you know, he just talks, the, the guy who did the translation for the book um, is Robert uh, Edmondson, and uh, in his little translation note in the beginning, he says that, uh, as I began to read the section of the book in which others wrote about Brother Lawrence, I felt a growing awareness that this humble uh, brother led a life that does indeed have much to say to me. Hmm. And when I, because the guy worked in a kitchen, right? So you're thinking like, how does that affect me? Like this, this this monk lived in a kitchen and he took pleasure in cleaning pots and cooking. What could this possibly say to me? And he says, as I began to read it, the sections of the books in which others wrote about Brother Lawrence, I felt a growing awareness that this humble brother led a life that does indeed have much to say to me. And when I read his own writings, wow, and this is powerful. I was struck by the depth of his love for God. Mm. That's what it's grounded in. So it's that love for God. That's what this whole new scoreboard is grounded in, a love for God. And his life lived in obedience, humility, and concern for others. Mm. Okay? So that's... That's what this is about. That's what this new scoreboard is about, is that through this love of God, we have this desire, we're motivated to please him, to be obedient to him. And that forms this this character and conduct towards our neighbor, and and, and that's going to be a love for our neighbor. And and I think, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a putting on and a putting off, right? Mm. I mean, that's where it, it begins to go. Galatians is going to talk a lot about that in Galatians 5.20, you know, what we're putting off, what we're putting on. And I probably will just like to, you know, finish somewhere around here with this sense because there's a lot of weighty things in this topic. Um, mm. There's a lot more study for people. I think one of my outcomes from this podcast when people would go study some of the texts we've talked about here today, you know, John 15, Galatians uh, five and second Peter one, three and, and others. And really like maybe start to memorize some of those scriptures, maybe start to meditate on them in their devotion to God and then outworking in of their love for God in the environment, competitive sports, because I think they'll be able to come up with a biblical list of what to put on and put off. Mm. Um, not something they can jump with um, and attack and, you know, be all about right away. Like you've been saying so oftentimes, this is sanctification is a process. Yeah. But what we want to do is we want to start on the process. We want to be intentional in this process of spiritual formation. And we have to recognize that the flesh, the world of sports and the enemy of God 
have in it this toxin. And this toxin is, it's really a toxic concoction of pride, deceitfulness, and selfish ambition. And, and that's what's, it's working against us. But again, we have the power to overcome those toxins. Mm. Even though the enemy of God is, is the father of lies and the founder of pride, and even though the world of sports is the perfect greenhouse for growing pride, and even though our flesh is selfish, in him, in receiving Christ and having the indwelling a Holy Spirit in us, we have the power to overcome those many powers. Yeah, and so we ha- that gives us our hope, and that hope. One of the um, uh, <clears throat> virtues that we get into there that precede our ability to love our neighbor and honor others in terms of virtues is humility. Mm. So this whole presence, if we want to begin to have a sweet aroma, the one virtue we need to be identified with, this mark of love, when somebody specifically says, well, how is that mark of love manifested in our parents or his kids in the environment of sports? It will be humility. Mm. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. That's Proverbs 5, uh, 15, 33. And there's a whole book written by Andrew Murray. I'm giving like another resource here that hopes that some people will choose one of these to begin to to study. And we have to do more on this topic, I'm afraid. Um, We're going to have to do... Um, probably in this presence, a whole contrasting and comparing of pride and humility and go deeper here. But um, I I leave you with just this whole, the humility of Christ. When we want to be like Christ, humility must define us. That is going to be, that takes that, that Christian worldview perspective because that world of sports perspective, uh-uh, <laughs> it's not there. It's it's it. That's going to be by by a a selfish ambition. We're going to see, and what Scripture tells us, that every quarrel known to man has at its root the element of pride. Yeah. Every single one. That's a biblical truth. So therefore, we have to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, uh, and then he will uh, lift us up. And I'm telling you, the book by Andrew Murray, uh, just fantastic. I mean, humility, he says, should be the chief thing we admire in and ask of God for our lives. And those are great discussions with our kids, you know. How when we're watching a game, do we see where do we see humility? Where do we see pride? Mm. And let's talk about those and let's talk about these situations and circumstances and how would God have us um, respond in, in that situation? Look at that situation. Look how he responded. Um, might be a negative one. How could we have responded positively? It'll always be because of him in us. 
but it'll help us to discuss these situations and to be prepared for them, but to really own scriptures. Remember, how does a young man keep his way pure? Psalm 119, 9, um, 9 through 11. 11 will tell you, because I've hidden these words in my heart, I can prevent sin. So we need to embrace some of these um humble verses and put them in and we'll be talking about that when we look over our game plan um for being who we need to be in the environment pair of sports whoa that was a is that good is good enough for you for today nate that, um that was stop. good yeah no that was great and again you know just appreciate so much um you and, and your ministry and what you're doing, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna sign off here um, in just a couple minutes. But um, you know, uh, just uh, again, so much information and to reinforce what Brian said, you know, uh, we always uh, want to be, uh, as the Bible puts it, um, Bereans. We want to be studiers of God's word. Um, every time, you know, Brian or I mention a verse or bring up a passage, we want you to look that up and check that for yourself. You know, see if what we're saying lines up with God's word, um, because that is one of the most important things that anyone can do is not just to assume the word of God, but to know the word of God. Um, and so we just encourage that on this podcast. Um, so thank you once again, Brian, for joining us and we'll, we'll see you next week. And don't forget all of this is only possible through the glory of the impossible.